Hello, Cryptoland. I'm Justin. It's Friday! And it's episode 52 of the ARK Crypto Podcast. That means one year of the ARK Crypto Podcast. What an awesome day. I almost can't believe we've come this far. And you know, there are listeners out there that have heard every single episode. And I have so much thanks to give all of you out there for supporting me and the Art Crypto Podcast and making this whole thing possible. Without you, it wouldn't exist. In this episode, we are going to walk down memory lane and listen to clips from episodes throughout the year. And it's gonna be a great time, I promise you. In fact, this would make a pretty good episode to jump into ARC for the first time. You'll kind of get the whole gamut, the whole spectrum of ARC content and concepts. So aside from expressing my deepest thanks to all of you out there in the community who've been listening all of these months, I have a big announcement to give regarding the ARC Crypto Podcast. Moving forward soon, the ARC Crypto Podcast will be rebranded and merged to become the arc.io podcast. And yeah, we're going to get an official area in the website. We're going to get special promotions and and uh, support outreach regarding the podcast. This is awesome. We're also going to be evolving the formatting a little bit to bring you more diverse content. So in order to make all the preparations we need to do to get all these parts moving and gears turning, we're going to be taking a hiatus of a few weeks for the Arc Crypto podcast while we get everything all set up and then we will relaunch as the arc.io podcast a few weeks from now. Also, another huge piece of news. The newest ARC adventure is out where I traveled to Indianapolis, Indiana for the Brickyard 400 NASCAR race featuring the ARC 32 NASCAR along with co-founder Travis Walker. And that adventure is looking slick. If you have not seen it yet, you must see it. It looks like it could be on the front page of YouTube. And it's my first video that has gone truly viral, I would say. I'm, I think it's 5,000 views and it hasn't even been 24 hours yet. So I am over the moon. Everything is cool. Arc.io podcast soon. Arc YouTube ramping up and gonna become even more awesome. Let's go. So let's get into these clips from the past year of podcast episodes. I hope you enjoy. And thanks for supporting the Arc ecosystem. We're gonna start with episode one. ARC aims to create an entire ecosystem of linked chains by providing easy-to-use tools to deploy your own blockchain. Being highly flexible and adaptable, it allows products to be adopted by the general public much quicker and smoother. By having open-source code, it is available to anyone who wants to contribute or build their own blockchain based on the ARC technology stack. Episode 2. Will these push-button deployed chains be relying on ARC? No, not inherently. Not like how ERC-20s rely on the Ethereum blockchain where fees or gas are paid in Ether. ARC's scalability plan works by segregating dApps into their own blockchains as to not bog down the main ARC chain. This also has the effect of decoupling the dApp bridge chain's coin from the ARC coin. Now you might ask, doesn't this mean the ARC coin is useless then? But no, every chain deployed using the ARC stack will be automatically integrated with the greater ARC ecosystem out of the box. Of course, they can always choose not to and modify their core code base to be incompatible with the ARC protocol while getting the code base, plugins, fancy wallets, and Explorer for free. Episode 3. 
Arc has successfully established a collective structured business entity in France, the first of its kind for crypto in the country. This will help Arc stay relevant as regulations develop. Arc is also working with France to help draft regulatory ICO frameworks. Episode 4. With Arc, you have a fixed quantity annu- annually. It's 7,884,000 every year. With fiat, it's a wildly fluctuating quantity annually. It's not like $10 billion are created every year. It's like a random number that's determined by some people are created every year and it's it can vary drastically. There's no like real like solid rules to it and crises kind of make all current rules get thrown out the window when they do occur. With ARC, you have a declining percentage annually as we saw in the, in the graph. In, with fiat, it's a variable percentage annually. So like sometimes it's like 1% inflation that year and sometimes it's like 6% and sometimes it's like just has to be like guessed by economists who are like, I think it's nine, I think it's far 4%. With ARC, you know exactly what's going on at all times. And you cannot have like a politician that says this year, let's make 9% more ARCs. That's not a thing. Okay. Not only that, but it's not compounding. The system is not saying, well, let's make 10% new ARC every year. Okay, that's not a thing. It's a declining percentage of fixed uh, quantity. Episode five. You know, incidentally, ARC didn't even meet its funding goal for the token exchange campaign back in 2016. And because of this, they gave investors the opportunity to get their original crypto back and kind of undo uh, their participation in the token exchange campaign. And they ended up with less than $1 million to start up ARC. Now, I, I bring that up to tell you that clearly they decided to do it anyway, and they decided to build ARC anyway. And, you know, that shows a lot of drive and determination within the founding team of ARC. And I think that's very important when attaching yourself to a project, especially in a highly speculative emerging market. You really need these people who are willing to deliver and make things happen, rain or shine, day or night, come what may. Because, you know, I do believe that the vast majority of crypto projects that we see today will die and people will just start giving up. And I wasn't willing to invest my time, my energy, my skills and talents, uh, let's face it, my money, into a project with a reasonable chance of the team giving up. And it's, it's not going to be a tweet like, hey, we decided to just give up. It's going to be a slow, undetectable decay of effort. And it will be very hard to understand when it's time for you as a community member to just cut ties and run. So I really appreciate ARC's core values within the team of doing it and building it and making this blockchain for everyone, blockchain so easy, blockchain nirvana thing happen with the best efforts possible. And this is just my personal opinion, but I believe that ARC is in a prime position to be that endeavor that sucks up all the community members and people who want to actually do stuff 
and get them to focus on a common goal, which is the ARC ecosystem. Episode six. Is there anything else that you kind of wanted to go over that we might have missed? Some other things that really helped to separate you from all these other competitors that are out there? What, what, yeah, what, what I wanted to say to a, a lot of developers out there and a lot of people that are focused on Ethereum development and just building a token or anything like that, holding an ICO, anything like that, is you're holding the ICO so you can make your own blockchain, so you can find developers, so you can do all of this stuff. When you could just go to Arc, you can look at it spin up your own blockchain, not have to worry about that cryptographer you would have hired for $400 million. You could have already had your own project running. Right. You could have had your own token on your own blockchain, not been tied down by, by something like Ethereum, because if Ethereum goes down, all of those tokens go down with it. They're all built on top of the network. Whereas with Arc, you're running parallel with Arc. If Arc goes its own way, you don't have to follow it. You can have your own network at all times. Here's episode seven. Matt, since I have you here, I did want to bring up some uh, discussion about all the recent hires, like myself being one of them. Uh, how is that going? Like, I know that ARC's been hiring a lot of people in recent months. I did see a lot of community support and appreciation for these hires, especially, you know, I, I'm sp speaking for myself here, but I really liked it when ARC started aggressively hiring people, especially from the community during such a dark, bearish time. I, th I find that to be quite an optimistic play because, you know, when a company is hiring people, that means they're intending to put it to the grindstone, pedal to the metal and continue to accelerate and make things happen as opposed to seeing those photos drop off their web page. And then you're like, OK, now what? And they're saying, oh, we're making it more lean. But really, they're just kind of scaling out. So I really liked that Arc is hiring people when the price is at the lowest, to be honest. This industry doesn't sleep. It goes a mile a minute. And so we can't rest on our laurels. And we have these ideas. We've got the systems. We've designed a lot of them. We're ready to go. But we need to be more efficient. We need to be able to work faster to keep up with the industry and the way that it's moving forward. And so one of the things we realized a while back was that our team just wasn't big enough to accomplish all the things we wanted to do. Um, some of the things we need to be able to do concurrent development, we need to be able to push harder on marketing, we need to be able to get the word out um, and, and help bridge some of that adoption and find partnerships. And that just requires manpower. So we decided to really start expanding. You know, money's not an issue. We've got budget for, for years. Um, we could easily go on for a decade at this point. So the real piece is we don't really want to go on for a decade and not accomplish anything because we don't have enough team members to work at the pace that we need to to keep up with the industry. And so we started this hiring process. We started expanding our team and looking for the right people. And I love the way that we did it because most of the people that came onto ARC had either proven themselves through you know GitHub contributions, through the community development, um, through really already being a part of ARC and showing what they're capable of. But now we can expand their role and bring them into the fold and really get them pushing uh, on some of these new features that we think are going to be really exciting. So the hiring is going great. We've got some really awesome candidates that have started working and I can already see the difference in our development room and in, in the team, um, just in the excitement and all of the things that we're getting accomplished now. Um, I think it's great. I don't know if you've noticed, but everybody says, I'm so excited you hired Sticker Guy. Like that's your that's your moniker, Sticker Guy. So. Sticker Guy. Hey, I like it. Well, I really have a lot of fun with ARC, and I've been a community member for many, many months, and uh, I have no problem contributing my time, my talents, and helping ARC any way I can, and it, it was just only that much more exciting when I went through a very arduous interview process with Matt and <laughs> other board members, 
and finally was uh, approved as a member of the team. It was a really cool feeling. It was a really cool day, and I'm really happy to be a member of the team. Episode nine, and here we go. The Describe Arc in One Block Time contest winner is Tyler J. Keenan. Arc empowers everyone, regardless of their aim or technical background, to quickly and easily leverage blockchain technology. Why did this person win? Why did Tyler win? Personally, a few reasons, uh, some of which I already talked about when we discussed this entry. But the first three words, the first three words really jumped out at me and never went away. Arc empowers everyone. Arc empowers everyone. And you know, if you're saying that not everyone can utilize blockchain technology, they got your back. Regardless of your aim or technical background, Arc empowers everyone. And if you think that it's going to be difficult to utilize blockchain technology with Arc, don't don't think that because it's quick and easy. And you can leverage blockchain technology. Blockchain technology isn't the solution in and of itself. You leverage it in order to achieve your goals and your dreams and your passions. That's how it's supposed to work. And Arc empowers everyone to be able to do that. So Tyler, thank you so much for your submission. You won. We're going to send you Arc by way of Arc Tipper, Reddit Tipbot by Delegate Cryptology. And you're going to get Arc and be able to redeem that Arc, keep it in your wallet, withdraw it, tip other people with it, do whatever you like with it. Congratulations. Thank you so much to everyone who participated in the contest. And as always, thanks for supporting the Arc ecosystem. Episode 10. So mass participation. I hear mass adoption a lot. And what is mass adoption? Is mass adoption just, I have Arc and I give you the arc, and you give me a hot dog, and a bunch of people do that? Is that mass adoption? It seems kind of simple to me. I think that mass participation makes a little bit more sense, because in blockchain world, there's so many opportunities that people can take advantage of that they might not be exposed to in their everyday lives. Once people get accustomed to that, then they'll be able to use those opportunities to participate in the ecosystem. You want to give everyone a place to fit in within the ecosystem. Arc does this very well. Episode 11. If you have Arc and you have it on a wallet, are you voting? If you're not voting, this section is for you. This is how voting works. The common users use their wallets to vote for delegates who secure the network and create new Arc tokens. One Arc equals one vote weight, and this helps prevent delegate cartels that can muscle out other delegates, as can happen with some other delegated proof of stake models. Every eight seconds, two new ARC are created and shared with all voters depending on how the delegates structure their proposals. The top 51 delegates voluntarily share the new ARC tokens with their voters, increasing their voters' holdings through inflation that decays towards zero over time. So what this means is that if you are voting, you are doing two very important things. You are contributing your voice to the network governance system that is saying who gets to have a say in the network and who doesn't in terms of being able to create new ARC tokens and add transactions to the ledger and run unique and valuable ARC services, receive funding for those services, okay? So you have a say in all that. Episode 14. A little bit of what you described there is, uh, it's real similar to the, um, uh, the problem of getting off-chain data into a chain. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, Oracle. Right? Oracle. The yeah. Oracle problem it's in a way that's like decentralized and secure and so forth. And, you know, there are some currently some solutions that um, do that in a, uh, a way that requires trust. Um, 
what are some of the things that we need to do? I mean, do you guys do any, any of you guys, are any of you guys working on this idea that there's data outside of the blockchain that is important data to the blockchain? Well, it's interesting that you ask. I'll just be brief. Okay. Um, Arc is very extensible, and we have well over a dozen SDKs and different programming languages, including C and C++, that you can uh, utilize to interact with Arc. So if you have a node and you're running a delegate node, it doesn't have to be a forging delegate node, uh, but you can you know, plug things in on your blockchain that you're deploying on your own and uh, communicate with outside services. Now, whether or not you know, you need a network to validate the authenticity of that data and have multiple sources confirming the same data uh, to make sure that it's authentic. Uh, that, you know, it's kind of up to you when you're deploying that. But Arc has a lot of uh, inputs and outputs, ports, plugins. It's a very modular structure. And we're releasing a new core, Core V2, we call it, within the next coming weeks that will give uh, developers a lot more power. And the network will be a lot more stable because we're redesigning all the code from scratch. Episode 16. Okay, Gark asks, I heard about the plugin system, but I'm not clear on it. What benefit does that have for the average user? Okay, great. So... I understand the, the kind of source of this question, which is, I don't quite see the benefit for the average user, and can you explain it? Makes sense. This system isn't necessarily giving a direct benefit to the average user, where now that we have a plugin system, you can click on this button and achieve this amazing goal. It's more like a, uh, a positioning of infrastructure to allow for seamless and rapid development of products for the end user, both on the Arc mainnet and on Arc bridge chains. So let's go into that a little bit more. So Arc is open source, as you should know by now. And what that means is you have people collaborating all over the world, some of which barely know each other and definitely don't, you know, walk down the hall, knock on the office door and say, hey, I have a question about this or hey, how does that work? So when you have all of this uh, collaboration occurring simultaneously, you need a lot of structure. Uh, this is why there's these pull requests, commits. This is, this is why GitHub has value, basically, is that it acts as infrastructure for... Uh, uh, global collaboration on projects. So here's the issue is that uh, in general, like with especially blockchains, there's very little or no room for error. If there is a, a problem with your mainnet code and it runs on the mainnet and then it's now decentralized and distributed to everyone and uh, you know a glitch happens because of the code being whack, then that's not good. So because of that, there's a huge vetting process that happens every time the, the, the core code of Every time the core protocol is modified, there has to be like a huge vetting process of making sure that this change that this person did doesn't cause any uh, bugs somewhere else or, or vulnerabilities to pop up. And it's an, a bit of an arduous process, okay? Now, let's bring in this concept of a modular plugin system. So if you can develop a plugin, it's essentially a container with code in it that runs and does not affect the code or operations of the other components of the system. So what this means is, is if somebody creates a plugin and they say, okay, I'm creating a plugin because the Arc V2 mainnet could have this uh, incredible added feature or benefit that doesn't need a virtual machine to function. And uh, here's the plugin. So then uh, the plugin can be vetted and, and checked to make sure that the plugin itself is good, safe, good to go. But the arduous task of making sure that the other modules of the mainnet uh, are, are still good to go is not needed. 
So in bridge chain world, uh, plugins are extremely powerful because you can use other people's plugins to construct a blockchain of your choice and make it super extra cool. You can do this safely because the plugins will say like, oh, this plugin is, uh, is designed for, to work with Arc V2. And if you have Arc V2 and you didn't make any specific changes to the protocol on your own, then you can plug these plugins in. See where I'm going with that? And it just runs right out of the box. Really cool stuff. Thanks for your question. Episode 17, the ARC vision. Uh, just talking about ARC's goals and ARC's ambitions. Now we have uh, ARC JD, who's an ACC member. His name's Ray. Work very closely with Ray. Ray's very cool. You will be hearing a lot more about him in the very near future. Ray's a machine. Now Ray says about the ARC vision and goals. Uh, hey guys, longtime ARC holder and ACC member here. One of the main reasons I believe in ARC is because of the team's vision. I believe it's an advocate of blockchain tech that this technology has a vast number of applications from finance to law to everyday life. It isn't often that the world sees a technology where its potential uses can permeate nearly every industry and the daily life of individuals. When it comes to adopting technology and its ultimate success, I believe in the need of aligning the technology with the need of individuals and businesses. The beauty of ARC is that it will put the power of blockchain into the hands of everyone. In my opinion, this is what will be the catalyst for mass adoption. When we can lower the barriers of entry and have everyone contributing, I believe great things can happen. When people come to ARC, they are not going to see an idea or a belief in how the tech will work. They will see code, use cases, and value in using the tech to better their businesses or daily life. Blockchain should be available to everyone. And by taking this WordPress approach, where it's simple to use and implement, how can you not be excited? Episode 18. Let's move on. Increase crypto friends. As bear market began, I was a simple lurker. However, it only made me feel more isolated and separated from everyone, which just made me feel even worse on top of bear market. So the lower the prices got, the more I reached out within my communities and the more friends I made. This has proven very effective. I feel like I'm part of a thing now and receive a lot of support. So this is like one of the main origin stories about how I got so involved with ARC. Because to me, I was like, well, I see this action going on and I'm not a part of it and I'm not feeling so great. And I feel like if I was a better, bigger part of it, then I would feel better. And so I you know, started arcstickers.com. I started sending stickers to everyone all over the world. I uh, started writing high quality original content on the ARC subreddit. I also collaborated with ARC community members on their community resources. Things like uh, arclogoworks.com uh, by Cam. Things like arcdirectory.com with Jorma. Things like arc4it.com with Broadcast Junkie. And things like arctipper with Mark. So this really helped me get excited and engaged and feel awesome uh, within the crypto community. So I have ARC to thank for that. And, and I'm very, very proud of my decision to become a member of the ARC community. And I'm, I'm all the more proud to, to now be on the ARC team. Episode 19. Ka'ant asks, one of the almost forgotten ideas from the old white paper is the implementation of games on ARC. Will it be possible on sidechains? And if so, which version of the ARC will allow to transfer not coins, but some virtual stuff? I think this is a very promising direction with thousands of potential use cases. I don't disagree. I think what you're referring to here is the term non-fungible gaming tokens, where one token is not the same as another token. Like, for example, with Bitcoin or the US dollar, one dollar is the same thing as some other different dollar, or some one Bitcoin is the same as some other different Bitcoin. But in non-fungible gaming tokens, 
this token represents like the sword of a thousand truths and that other token represents the shield of integrity so if you give this token the sword of a thousand truths to somebody now they have the sword of a thousand truths and i believe in that particular case i'm describing it's not divisible like you can't give someone 10 percent of the sword of a thousand truths so let's go back to the beginning of the question can games be implemented on arc side chains well sure I mean, in the ARC universe, we do refer to them as bridge chains because the ARC ecosystem intends to bridge together all of these blockchains to provide many, many use cases for the end user and lots of convenience as well. But sure, you can have games running uh, that utilize bridge chains. Now, granted, the interesting thing about blockchains is that there needs to be a balance when you're developing the platform out in terms of what you're going to have running on chain and what you're going to have not running on chain. Now, at the moment, uh, what dictates that are the fees. Like, for example, with Ethereum, like people are trying to run Ethereum games and stuff, but they're realizing that the gas and the fees are just eating up, like eating up a bunch of the uh, value from the microeconomy. So they do things off chain and then they settle on chain. And with an arc bridge chain because you would have your own community of the game running the network which easily can be done through the delegate system then the delegates are running services that give back to the system as well as running nodes and this maintains the value inside the economy the micro economy so the players of the game are not giving fees away to these faceless Ethereum miners that have nothing to do with your game and are not personally invested in your game in terms of their energy and talents. And instead, you are uh, giving the fees and you know services in exchange for running the network to the community delegates running inside the game community network. So uh, they then you know can use those fees to not only run their so-called delegate businesses, but but also help the network grow and you know make it fresh, provide new and exciting services and ways to play the game or interact with the game, things like that. So that combined with being able to set your own parameters to how you want your microeconomy to work on your bridge chain gives developers and communities of these future games a lot of freedom and power to really build something special by them for them. Now, in regards to your question about non-fungible gaming tokens, currently the token aspect of the ARC core revolves around fungibility, okay? So it's like, this is the same as that. It's gonna take some engineering to enable that type of setup for non-fungible gaming tokens. However, if a project were interested in developing something like this, uh, for their own use with their own chain and wanted to start out with the ARC code base, they definitely could do that. And they would be able to utilize ARC's extensibility through 18 different programming languages to interact with the chain and also set their own parameters for the blockchain itself and do all these other things. Now, if one entity does it and you know provides open source to benefit the overall ARC ecosystem, then it, that same code could be used for other projects as well. Additionally, as it has been featured in the old white paper, ARC.io may focus additional attention on that aspect to develop custom solutions by ARC.io in terms of uh, modified code base or perhaps a core plugin that facilitates and accommodates the non-fungible gaming token use case. 
So everything is possible. That's one thing I do really like about blockchain technology. And it kind of depends on the need, the demand, the interest of the community. I do know that there's a heavy uh, gaming interest amongst the ARK community. I don't know if that's related to ARK Survival Evolved, the uh, uh, online game that has nothing to do with ARK.io, but I do personally like that game and I've played it as well. I, of course, I want to know about all things ARK, even if they have nothing to do with each other. And yes, I do know how to tame a Velociraptor. And yes, I do know how to make a house out of thatch in less than three minutes. So not bad. Thanks for your question. Episode 20. All right, next up, we've got day 23, which talks about the ARK Crypto Podcast. That's what you're listening to right now. Nice. Now we've got Choose ARK, Choose a Job. And Choose ARK, Choose a Job says, when I first heard that Justin was going to do podcasts, I thought, outdated. Who listens to them anymore? Waste of time. Okay, all right. Here's a, a strong intro. Let's see where this goes. Unbeknownst to me, podcasts are well listened to, even increasing by the year. Ah, that is true. I always check out all things ARC, and if it's posted anywhere, I'll pick it up. Good on you, choose ARC, choose a job. Thank you. So against my preconceived opinion, I had a midweek listen whilst driving. Surprise, surprise, I loved it. Nice. It's a down-to-earth, talking-with-the-guys vibe. You learn new things and listen to interviews you can't catch anywhere else. And that's a gender non-specific guys that Choose Our Choose a Job is, is using there. Excellent. Most of all, it's engaging. I find myself joining conversation only to realize it's not a group call. <laughs> nice. It's become a little highlight of the week. I don't jump to listen to it as soon as it drops, but rather prefer to set some time aside to really listen to it. Like how you would with a favorite movie or TV show. You want it to be engaged. Listen to every detail. If it were to be taken away, I'd be upset. <laughs> In short, listen to the podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much for those kind words about the podcast and uh, very glad to be producing these episodes. Very glad to be working with Matthew DC uh, to get this podcast out there and very glad that it has listeners to listen to the podcast because without you listeners, then this wouldn't even need to exist. So very, very pleased that you like the podcast. Thank you so much. Episode 21. Can anyone run a relay node? Are there benefits by doing so? I.e. earning ARC. Yes, anyone can run a relay node. There are no special permissions that you need to have uh, to run a relay node. And to enhance on this answer, you can run a relay node with standard hardware as opposed to something like a proof of work Bitcoin situation where you need specialized hardware, very expensive hardware, very loud hardware, very hot hardware. With Arc, you can run with you know standard 8 gigabyte RAM situation, uh, standard machine, basic server machine. So it's very energy efficient and smooth for the node runner. Now, relay nodes do not pay out ARC from the network. So what that means is if you're running a relay node, you will not be earning ARC. However, one of the key concepts behind running a relay node implies your desire to possibly run for a forging delegate position in the future. A forging delegate position would award ARC uh, by the network two ARC per block every eight seconds. That would go into your delegate wallet and then you would handle that ARC according to your proposal that you put forth on arcdelegates.io run by delegate deadlock. So if you were to run a relay node and you're like, hey, this is cool. And then you're like, hey, I want to get some ARC because of this. Then you would consider putting a proposal in and asking the community for votes. Then if you get enough votes, you would enter the top 51 forging positions where you would get ARC and have a great time. Episode 22. 
Before I was into crypto, I uh, have a lot of experience in laboratory work for infrared photonics. I actually became a published inventor by the age of 22 uh, for integrated readout circuit arrays. I was a co-author of a patent for that. And that was a long time ago. So now I'm involved with some other things, uh, sales, marketing, advertising, that kind of thing. And uh, a lot of writing stuff too. I develop applications in a language called OpenG, which is like a visual representation of the code. So that's what got me into computer science and programming because I didn't have a lot of classical training with written uh, coding languages. But G really helped me get my brain around how coding works and how to run applications. And because of that, I got interested with Arc because its approach is very similar. It wants to make blockchains very easy for more people so that more people can participate in this technological revolution. Episode 24. On that note, actually, Chris, I did want to ask you a little bit about uh, the scalability of the Arc mainnet. Like, how does it work in terms of if we need to add more throughput to the blockchain, uh, how, how would that upgrade take place and what trade-offs might we have to deal with? It's always uh, a balance between uh, the functionality you want to have and uh, the size uh, limitations. But uh, if you're looking at uh, the size limitation, how the storage space uh, is not very expensive. And if uh, our blockchain mainnet is currently at 7.3 million height, and if you look at the size of the database is in compressed something like 1.5 uh, uh, gigabytes. So that's that's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you compare this to other chains, uh, which are expensive running on uh, POV uh, consensus, and you have to have almost like uh, 400 uh, gigabytes to one terabytes of space so we have a lot of room here to improve yeah and uh, uh, we also had a discussion about scaling and let's say the adoption of the technology at the meetup with the developers which actually happened two days uh, before the meetup we had uh, with the community in utrecht and uh, we were brainstorming there like for let's say for the first day mostly about um, the critical issues of the roadmap uh, where we want to improve what we want to do uh, this year uh, what are our promises uh, we have made and how to deliver them? And uh, one of the, let's say, the most asked questions, which we all also see in the community, is the question related to, let's say, the virtual machine. Uh, how are we going to address the logics related to that? Uh, and personally, to me, the smart contracts, so the virtual machine never... Um, never convinced me in a way let's say in a way of uh, enterprise user or a company user or a bunch of companies using a blockchain uh, would use because essentially there is some trust already established and uh, this is where our let's say plugin technology uh, comes uh, in handy because instead of let's say writing your own smart contract you could be just uh, writing your own uh, plugin which would be uh, contract written in code among uh, the companies reaching some kind of consensus running uh, their own uh, business which should be uh, now tracking some kind of supply chain management or just uh, selling tacos like a taco chain uh, <laughs> episode 25 and mark what was it like for you becoming a delegate how fast was it going from launching a node to becoming a delegate and what kind of services did you propose to offer the, the community it was uh, really fast, actually. It was a day when I announced my delegates. A day? That is, that is extremely fast. I was in the same time as the guys from the Golden Horde. And 
there was just a wheel dropping out of the 51. I already had planned to one day launch a delegate. And then Roxon told me like, this is your chance. This is the moment. So now or never. I wrote up my proposal. I published it. And at that very second, the guys from the Golden Horde were uh, elected in. And within the day, I was elected in as well. So the campaign was uh, kind of non-existing <laughs> because I didn't really have time for that. So it's kind of like the stars aligned for you in that moment with all these circumstances kind of coming together. My, my core service at this moment is Arc Tipper. So that all aligned as well, good. And from my background as an um, infrastructure guy, I offered to look at the best way to set up infrastructures, to build uh, a solid network, solid node structures, and to also make that knowledge available for uh, bridge changes. Episode 26. One of the crown jewels of Arc are the desktop and mobile wallets. They merge everything good about Arc Depos and present it in an intuitive package with elegant design. The wallets run immediately without needing to sync, and users receive voluntary voting rewards from delegates even when the wallets are offline, so you don't have to keep your wallet on all the time to receive new ARC. The wallets also have foolproof features that help new users feel confident using the wallets. The desktop wallet is available for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, and the mobile wallet is available for Android and iOS. Not only that, but the desktop wallet is compatible with the Ledger, so you can securely store your ARC using the Ledger hardware device and the ARC wallet. And the desktop wallet is also integrated with Changely, which allows you to purchase ARC from directly inside the ARC wallet, in some cases even with fiat, depending on your country region. How easy is that? Episode 30. Let's spin this around, because what many of you guys don't know is that I met Justin very early on into arcstickers.com. That's right. This was prior this was about prior to you just launched Arc Stickers. It'd probably been live for what a month? Maybe. And you you connected with me and we said, let's go out and get some beers and hot dogs in Santa Monica. That's right. And we met up and we had a really great conversation. So at that time you talked about the hustle. That's right. And I saw uh, the passion in your eyes. And here we are sitting here today and you've now been employed by Arc and everything's going awesome. I guess, what did you see at that point as a non-technical person that made you go, this is something that I can be a part of? Because a lot of non-technical people get scared off. I understand that question for sure. And it's really interesting because what I saw when I first started dabbling and getting into ARC was I felt that these were people that cared about relating to non-technical people in a way that... I did not see in almost every other project. I saw a lot of effort and a lot of talent and a lot of skill in a lot of other projects, but I didn't feel like they had a desire to include me. So can we or talk use cases? Like me. Can, are we able to talk true names here? What what pro, what communities did you try to become a part of that didn't um, you didn't feel the positive reception? Just to understand. So, I guess something that I would throw out would be. And it's a project that I still love and I like it and it's all great and everything. But Nexus was something I was getting into around the same time as Arc. Okay. And there's a, um, an interview on Nexus on the podcast in the archives that you guys can hit if you want to check out more. But essentially what I found with Nexus was that I really liked all the ideas coming from it, but I didn't see the arm getting extended towards me and people like me 
to, to understand it. It was feeling like there's a group of people making decisions and all you're allowed to do is buy your t- their token and look at the charts. and Correct. And, and, and you know... <laughs> Sit around. Sit like, around and I, clap I, your hands. Go, you guys are doing a great job. Yeah, keep it up. <laughs> keep keep it up. up whatever it is that this I, is. It's like, like watching a sporting event. And, yeah. and this isn't sports. This is... Yeah, no, no. You're, you're, you're hitting it right on the head like every single time with what you're saying. And, uh, you know, what, what really gravitated me towards crypto was opportunities to actually do stuff. Yep. And when I stumbled across ARC, I realized that not only are there opportunities for me to actually do stuff, but I could see the culture of this project really wanting to distill things down and make people feel included who are feeling excluded otherwise. When they're like, I don't understand this technology and I've watched all these videos and I don't understand and how does this apply to me and what am I gonna do now that I know about crypto and, and what's, what's the next step, I don't get it. Like, People aren't reaching out to me to help me out like on a one-to-one level and all these other things. So Arc was like the opposite of that, where like everything from the the website to the Slack to the Reddit, it was all very welcoming. And and I felt like I really found what I was looking for when I when I found Arc. And now it took us took a step further when I realized that Arc wants to make it very easy to deploy your own blockchains and customize them, even if you're not an expert in blockchain technology or coding and all of that, that really resonated with me immensely because before I was involved with crypto, this was many years ago, but I was uh, involved with like a systems integration of industrial um, machine vision, machine learning, and other things like that, where I would deploy applications in uh, LabVIEW. This is a program made by National Instruments. And they had a coding language called G, which is a visual coding language. So like instead of writing code, which I don't know how to do to this day, they had an interface. It was a graphical user interface where they had modules that you assemble. So instead of saying two plus two equals four, you would have two constants that you paint onto yeah. like a flowchart grid area. And then you wire them to an addition module. And then the output gets wired to wherever you want to go. So I was able to deploy these super advanced applications that are in like Ford and other corporations like doing stuff that I didn't even have to write code to do this. And we, and and that is is that the point where you get that experience again from Arc where you're going to say Arc's been successful. Absolutely. I believe that Arc will be successful when I can make a blockchain. That's my goal. <laughs> I don't even know That's what awesome. I'm going to use it for. I just want to know that I can. Yep. And that is empowering. And that's why I think ARC is such a special thing in this space. You know, they're not just catering towards like the high princes and the high castles who know about all the code. And I'm, and I'm going to say that there are more people that can relate to you out there in the world than there are people who do know the technical behind it. Episode 31. Next up, we've got code bounties. So this is an ongoing program and ARC has a bounty wallet that it uses to reward community developers for squashing bugs and implementing new features into our open source ARC products. It's really very cool, and it's head up by Rock, aka Bold Ninja on the ARC team. So he's really cool and fun to work with, and it's a lot of uh, good times just helping ARC and developing for the future. You can learn more about that on the ARC blog, which is at blog.arc.io every month we release the GitHub bounty winners who win large amounts of ARC. And then we also offer small ARC bounties that you can grab just for completing a pull request or a commit. 
So you can learn more about that by checking out the blog and seeing how it all works. Episode 32. Wyoming has about 13 different pieces of blockchain legislation that they've enacted over the years. This is already a systematic legal framework that they've built. It's going to be a model for even probably the federal level. So it's nice to see what some of these smaller states are going to be doing because as more states begin to enter the fold, we're going to see how they approach blockchain in their specific territories, right? This is incredibly useful for us because it sort of maps out like a prediction of where blockchain law is going to be heading in the United States. Episode 33, ARC empowers everyone, regardless of their aim or technical background, to quickly and easily leverage blockchain technology. Our white paper will identify the well-known problems within the blockchain industry and illustrate how ARC technology solves them. In this current landscape of hype and empty promises, ARC acts as a beacon for individuals, enterprises, and communities who wish to make a real difference and apply blockchain technology to reach their individual goals as well as improve society. ARC offers a technology stack, unique in its simplicity, to create and deploy standalone blockchains for any use case. These newly created blockchains will have the ability to interoperate through ARC SmartBridge technology. ARC is also turning smart contracts on their head with what is called ARC Logic, a collection of tools including custom transaction types, templates, and plugins. This brings decentralized computing and workflows into a more secure, adaptable, and scalable environment. Most importantly, the ARC ecosystem fosters a growing international community of developers, node operators, blockchains, businesses, and enthusiasts breathing life into this breakthrough technology. Episode 34. From the start, our intent was to provide an answer to the blockchain trilemma and reduce the well-known limitations of blockchain technology. Some of these solutions are baked into SmartBridge technology, allowing for greater flexibility and scalability within the ecosystem of linked chains with specific use cases. Aside from the blockchain trilemma, however, we saw the above issues with smart contracts and wish to address them as part of our vision. We see smart contracts as small automation engines being executed in black boxes that lack the modern pace of development and flexibility and developers need to learn an additional language to deliver them. Our solution to this is to deliver more than just automation and distributed relay execution. We want to give organizations the power to develop their own application logic the way they're already used to doing it by using existing tooling and developing normal applications that can be deployed on our blockchain infrastructure via the modular architecture of plugins. A plugin is a normal TypeScript application that has the full power of blockchain with all the expressive capabilities of using a common programming language. It acts as just another application that can be deployed and maintained via blockchain mechanics running on our core blockchain engine. By delivering a plugin, you are able to add new tables, storage options, web servers, and complete graphical interfaces running and using core technology as a driving force. Episode 35, Satoshi Nakamoto opened Pandora's box with Bitcoin. Blockchain technology has caused a new renaissance of inspiration that is growing worldwide. The potential for the technology is massive, and among the now thousands of blockchain projects in the space, working products and fulfilled promises are beginning to take shape. When inspiration hits a developer or organization, they will see that ARC has positioned itself to be the easiest path to success for them. Some of the largest tech companies in the world started with one person on one computer in one bedroom. Arc technology empowers this person to get 90% of the way there with a few clicks. The next part is what the future holds for Arc. A successful Arc ecosystem means that hundreds, if not thousands, of communities, businesses, enterprises, and organizations are using Arc technology to deploy blockchains custom tailored to their needs. 
Other blockchain projects with tokens on a restrictive mainnet begin to break off and form their own ARC-based network, addressing their scalability concerns and reaching higher planes of flexibility using ARC logic. They experience the freedom of expression through the sovereignty they receive with ARC. They benefit from the speed and security ARC offers. They appreciate the simplicity of ARC technology. They receive much-needed support from the ARC public network, ARC business entity, and ARC community. These ARC-based chains interoperate via smart bridge technology with a thriving ARC mainnet, bringing a true sense of unification without monopolization. And the last part is appropriately named Get Involved. You play a key role in the success of ARC, and you can bring tangible value that is truly appreciated by the whole of the ecosystem. If you like developing, you can improve the code on GitHub by tackling issues and submitting pull requests. You can apply your own ideas to develop additional peripherals and plugins using ARC. You can become an ARC mainnet delegate or even launch your own chain. If you aren't technically inclined, you can bring your own skills and talents to the table by asking questions, voting for delegates you support, accepting ARC for your business, receiving funding for an idea through the ARC Community Fund, and even helping the team in non-coding projects on the ARC Community Committee. You can also join the ARC Ambassador Program. ARC is for everyone, and together we can bring the world the true vision of point, click, blockchain. Episode 36. Okay, so Dbots Auto asks about ARC logic. How far away is ARC logic? And when will that happen and stuff? Well, ARC logic needs two things to really function well. It needs the core plugin architecture to work. That already does. And then the next one is the generalized transaction interface or the GTI. This is the interface that you would use to create new transaction types that do specific things you wanted to do. And uh, when you combine that with the plugin, you can create an application that you can then deploy directly onto each node and handle decentralized business logic. So I know that the generalized transaction interface has been coming along really well, actually really quickly. Let me look up something real quick. Okay, got it. So I was confirmed correct that in Arc Core 2.3, which was recently released this week, the AIP 29 made massive strides, which is the generic transaction interface. Oh, generic transaction interface. Okay. The names are constantly flying around and changing on Slack, uh, on, the, on our team Slack. So I need to get up with the program. But yes, the generic transaction interface. So this interface allows you to quickly develop new transaction types with custom business logic behind it. And this will play a key role where we'll actually use it ourselves to work on the new transaction types like time locks and multi-payments and uh, other things that are coming to core soon. It's kind of like Photoshop using itself to design ads for itself. So not bad. Episode 37. So that brings us into the General Assembly meeting, which we had after we left the French National Assembly. So at this meeting, there was a few key things that happened. Uh, one of the more important ones was a mass restructuring of the corporate entity and the roles of certain art crew members within the corporate entity. And uh, there's going to be a very detailed blog coming out soon that describes more about exactly how it's different. But I can go into some general information now where, for example, there is a creation of the executive board and the advisory board. The purpose of these boards are to provide more structure in macro project management type situations, as well as provide a system for accountability 
so that people know, you know, if they don't do something, what's going to happen and whose job is it to make sure that they get back on track and these other things. I don't know how far back you go with ARC, but you might remember that when ARC started, it was kind of founded as a, a project where people just kind of jumped in and just threw in their two cents. And then some people were like, I can work on this. And some other people were like, I can work on that. And it was very organic. It was very informal. It was like 27 co-founders got together and were like, let's do this thing called ARC. And so what I believe was happening in late 2017 when ARC incorporated as an SCIC, and it was the first of its kind for crypto in the entire country of France, that laid the groundwork for a maturity to occur within ARC and the ARC entity. So now what we're seeing is a... Uh, a clear structure forming in terms of lessons learned throughout the past 18 months or so on how we operate and where, where our shortcomings are and where our strengths are and understanding the talents of each individual team member and what they can bring and then what they need help with. So all of that is kind of getting sucked up into this think tank and getting spit out in, in the form of these new structures, the uh, executive board, the advisory board. Uh, various departments and teams like the marketing team, the communications team, and all these other things. So what I believe that you're going to see as a result of this is far more organization in communications internally, which will be reflected by far more efficient release of information and a stronger, clear voice spoken from ARC.io. Episode 38. I would really urge you to look at all these factors, right? And look at what ARC is doing and see if you can find that in other projects, right? See if you can find transparency in their finances. See if they do have regular updates. See if they have a working product and they have been making consistent progress month after month. See if the team is available, if the founders actually are accessible and share information and do interviews. All of that kind of stuff is very important for you to be able to determine whether or not a project is a legitimate project with a chance of success or whether it's just a money grab and a scam and a nice story that ultimately is going to be irrelevant um, in the not so distant future. Episode 39. So this is a look at our financial history over the last 12 months or so, but also back through to when we first raised money. ARC in the end of 2016 came together and we did our TEC, our token exchange campaign in the beginning of 2017. We actually failed, uh, it's a funny story. We were trying to raise 1.4 million roughly, and we came out at about 800,000. And so we actually came out a little more than that, but we offered a refund and some people said, you know what, we really like the idea of what you're building and we'd like you to try to do an MVP and really come to market. And so uh, a lot of people chose not to refund and we decided to push forward. 2017 in the beginning was the beginning of the bull market and we got super lucky and through good management and through the process of having the right people on our team, we turned that into 3,500 BTC today. Uh, we also hold 26 million ARC, which are sort of a reserve fund. Uh, that's partially due to the refund. We didn't originally plan on having that much, but when we offered the refund, we ended up with more. And so we use that for things like complementing salaries of our employees to keep them more invested in the company, and also to do things like bounties for the public. So we have a lot of community developers, and we reward a lot of that in ARC. Episode 40. When you're comparing your solution of token versus your solution of an entire blockchain, there are some things that you'll end up thinking about that you didn't really realize you needed to think about. So like, what if you go to, let's say, for example, X platform chain, okay? We, we know who they are. They're out there on CoinMarketCap, right? 
So let's say you go there and you want to uh, launch a business, a service that uses a crypto asset, a platform that will have many, many users. Then you create a token, okay? Now, there are some things you need to pay very close attention to. What if your service does incredibly well and you achieve massive global success and you become a major player in the global stage? So what that means is millions of daily users executing millions of transactions per day and what you're what you might be doing inadvertently is siphoning value out of your community's microeconomy into the hands of the mainnet miners or mainnet VPs or whatever it is where they are benefiting from your community's success okay now here's my question is if it's that easy to create your own blockchain where your own micro community or I'm sorry your own community's microeconomy is self-contained and your node runners are within your community and providing valuable community services on top of just simply securing the network, then wouldn't it make sense to consider doing that instead? Because what are they really offering you? You know, Are they just becoming a new type of middleman? This is one of the key aspects that ARC is forcing people to address. And I think that the people that are skeptics of ARC are largely upset with the removal of a mainnet landlord with guaranteed token usage based on fees collected from other chains or other tokens, when in reality, that is not necessary if you know how to launch your own network easily and can run it at a low cost. Episode 41. So I would ask this then, who is your guys' main customers? Deploying a blockchain in minutes. Who who are you? Who are you guys finding that's, that's doing that the most? So it does depend on why you need a blockchain. Okay, there are a number of reasons or a number of uh, uh, epiphanies that might happen depending on who you are. Like I, I think that uh, Arc applies to really ev- everyone and anyone who needs a blockchain. It could range from anywhere between a college student in a bedroom with an idea that could change the world all the way to a Fortune 500 enterprise with offices on every single continent. I believe that right now the industry is a little further ahead of itself technologically than inspirationally. So I think that over time, more light bulbs will fire off for people around the world that say, oh my God, a blockchain would be perfect for this. And when that moment happens, ARC is going to be ready with ready to use tools and uh, helpful guides and specific templates for specific industries to get that idea out into the world ASAP and at a very low cost. Episode 42. So here's what's next. At this point, you can use our expansive library of tools to enhance your new blockchain beyond something as simple as here's a peer-to-peer cryptocurrency. You can do things much more than that. You can have decentralized business logic in the form of customized core plugins combined with custom transaction types that fulfill specific needs on your network. You can uh, use the API to interface with centralized systems like exchanges. You can also use webhooks to fire off events instead of requiring light clients to constantly pull your blockchain. You can also use uh, expansive SDKs. We have well over a dozen of those and we're integrated with languages such as uh, PHP and Rust and Ruby and all kinds of languages. So it's very versatile, it's very diverse, and it's quite simple for developers of all walks of life to get started with a blockchain 
using the Arc Deployer and our helpful guides. Not only that, but just as soon as we launched the Deployer on May 28th at Consensus NYC 2019, we had some people that jumped in to make a chain and they were able to do it in less than 24 hours, even though they had little technical knowledge. And this is great. Now, granted, we do want lots of different types of developers to use it. And we understand that not every single person in the world needs their own blockchain, but we do think that it's good for more people to have access to blockchain technology than less. And we love to see what will come of it and see what flourishes from it. Episode 43. So this is the most fun part of this entire episode which is waiting for the next round and then seeing yourself forging dark live. How do you do that? Well, you go to menu, you go to home, and then you go to latest blocks and you just stare at this screen until you see your name pop up in that list. Let's wait. Waiting, waiting, impatient. Okay, while we wait, let's check the Forger Manager logs and we'll also see some action happening in the Forger logs. So let's hit our console. Let's do a control C if we're in anything else, just to make sure we're not in anything else. Do an arc forger log. Now, when it comes time for us to forge, the console is going to say, waking up your delegate. And then you'll see that. And then it'll say, ready to forge. And then you'll see that. And then we'll see it forge. And then in the deck explorer, we'll see it in our list here. Let's go back to the delegate monitor, menu delegate monitor. Oh, looks like nice is in the list. It's only a matter of time now. Oh, there it is. There it is. We just forged dark. Wow, we did it. Success. Episode 44. So moving on, there's convenience and interoperability. So what this refers to is one of the main reasons why most people are interested and like Arc a lot, probably at this point which this refers to what we call smart bridge technology. Now, smart bridge technology allows blockchains to communicate between one another. It's, this is interoperability. So this way you can use token A to do something on token B's blockchain without ever holding or touching token B. Now, the reason why ARC is so focused on this concept is because we have a vision that scalability can be best achieved by segregating use cases across multiple sovereign blockchains. So that way, nobody's sharing all one blockchain and then one person's problem is everyone's problem. This happened with CryptoKitties in 2017 where one decentralized application basically halted an entire blockchain that was responsible for servicing a number of services on top of it. So with Arc, it's more like, hey, Let's let everybody have their own blockchain and then you can be in control of your own destiny and future with your protocol upgrades and custom logic and all these other things. However, in order to implement convenience for the user, the Arc public network can act as an entry and exit point between these other blockchains and users won't have to have a bunch of different coins. They can just have one coin and then use smart bridge technology to interact with other blockchains. So what this will do is this will make it very convenient to use Arc, and that's it because everything else happens in the background. And at the same time, other micro communities can benefit from their own sovereignty of having their own network within their own community. They don't have to pay rent to a mainnet landlord where faceless, nameless node operators that have nothing to do with your project or community benefit and get money every time something happens within your community. I don't know. 
Sounds like England and America circa mid-1700s, if you ask me. I'm just saying, why be a colony when you can be your own country? But I digress. Episode 45. Do you feel that, you know, in the following years, crypto is going to become much more interesting to a lot more people? And do you feel that a lot of people en masse will assess the big boys like Ethereum and then decide that they need something better, bigger, faster, and then come over to something like ARK? Okay, so um, the way I analyze this is that, yeah, the people will definitely um, realize the potential of cryptocurrencies and, and blockchains, and they will come up with uh, completely new ideas that we hadn't even thought of. And that's what will drive the next wave of, uh, of adoption. And this is going to be like the, the biggest bubble, you could say, that we could imagine. So it's going to be... <laughs> I think if I were to make a bet, I would say it's going to be it's going to become uh, as big as the stock markets are right now on on a global scale. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess we're going to see. We're going to see. Yeah. And and when that happens, I think what's going to happen is that um, depending on when it happens. So for example, I think Ethereum is currently pursuing sharding, and they are also trying uh, an approach to multi-chain scaling. But if uh, for example, the uh, this adoption happens before they are ready to do that, then of course people are going to try to um, go for alternate platforms. But if if it happens after they're ready, then maybe they get a lot of their market share. Okay, well said. Episode 46. Yeah, we had uh, so we had a big issue during our token sale, which already kind of showed some limitations that we would, could run into into the, in the future if we would only rely on smart contracts exclusively. So it sounds like your vision of NOS quickly outgrew the capabilities of what smart contracts can offer. Yeah, and you saw a way to be, I guess, sovereign and independent from other shortcomings of like a master platform mm -hmm. that you're just like leasing, I guess you could say, right? Yeah to get to your own blockchain where you can control your destiny of, in terms of development, you can respond to issues much quicker and, and integrate new logic and uh, capabilities yep. that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So this well is something I've been saying for years <laughs> on the podcast and everywhere else, all right? I'm like, developers are gonna need more under the hood. Yeah. So I, I like that part about it. And I really like how you're recognizing the benefits of being in your own type of zone, mm -hmm. but also having interoperability and being able to interact with other blockchains, yeah. uh, which helps with the scaling issue, helps with uh, just connecting blockchains yeah. together and all that. Absolutely, that, this is a concept that we wanna promote in the future as well when, when the blockchain, uh, the NOS blockchain is out and uh, you know people start wanting to build applications that integrate with NOS to expand their business models. Uh, and, and deploy to the NOS App Store, we have specific documentation parts about building apps and integrating NOS. We also want to have like a small section about uh, deploying your own blockchain and how to power it uh, by building plugins uh, based on our core. Sure. It'll be it'll be basically be a summary and linking to, to the ARC documentation. But uh, the, the reason I want to put that in there is because I feel like something which is not seen or realized right now is that building your deploying your own blockchain allows for so much more and it's going to be a consideration with how easy arc is making it it's going to be a consideration for a lot of startups 
So that's why we want to help, you know, push people in that direction. Like, hey, you have these specific features that you want to do. How about cons consider doing it on a blockchain? If it's if it's possible, then it might be a, a better choice for you. Perfection. So you're both a user of our technology and a lover of our technology that want other people to use it. So this is like <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> this is perfection right here. Episode forty-seven. I would like to leave you today with a phrase that was spoken by. Representative Patrick McHenry, who represents North Carolina's 10th Congressional District and is part of the U.S. House Committee on Financial Services. He said that the world that Satoshi Nakamoto, author of the Bitcoin white paper, envisioned and others are building is an unstoppable force. We should not attempt to deter this innovation and governments cannot stop this innovation. And those that have tried have already failed. So the question then becomes, what are policymakers going to do to meet the challenges and the opportunities of this new world of innovation? I leave the answer to that question to you guys. Episode 48. So what we've created here with the Powered by Arc program is a way to kind of create a symbiosis between Arc and a bridge chain project. And have a mutual understanding that the Bridge Chain Project is serious and wants to bring something tangible to the world. And then rewarding that, that initiative of using ARC technology with access to the highest levels of support. Let's take NOS for example. So NOS has been in talks with ARC and multiple ARC team members in multiple departments for many months. And there was an assessment of what NOS is trying to do. We found that it's, it was quite compatible with our goals and vision as well, and found a way that we could probably work together using what we're both doing to help mass adoption happen. So this was the perfect opportunity to have a project like this be the first official Powered by Arc partner, because we could really tell that NOS is in it for the long haul, just like us. NOS has good funding, just like us, and NOS has an accessible team, just like us. So it seems like this is a recipe for something great. Episode 49. Imagine if you had a blockchain project with a community that surrounded it, where like everyone there is holding the token and like trying to convince other people to buy the token, but nobody's using the token to like build anything or do anything. And nobody even wants to. And maybe let's just throw in there for the sake of example, and the code sucks. And everybody who looks at the code is like, this code is stupid. But there's a lot of speculators there like, yeah, let's just convince everybody to buy it and everything will work out for us. That's not something I want to be involved in at all, at all. I'd rather be involved in something like Arc, where you've got a lot of people that see the code and the more they see the code, the more they are inspired to do something with it. And we've got a lot of people in this episode doing a lot of stuff with this code. And we've got bridge chains coming on board like NOS. We're doing a lot of things with code. And I really like that a lot. I, I don't think that we need to like worry about convincing people to buy the token and get speculators because it's just not sustainable and also very legally questionable. I'm here to try to get people excited to use the tech and build with the tech. And hopefully this appreciation episode helps that happen more. Episode 50. So what did I do with all that stuff while I was out there? Well, I talked to people on the street and asked them to impress me with their knowledge of crypto and if they told me a crypto fact that was true, I awarded them with their very own ArcMoon gift coin and 50 Arc. It was a huge hit and people are really interested to learn more about crypto. I was actually very pleasantly surprised 
in the willingness to learn that I found in people who don't really know much about it yet. It really opened up my perspective on where we are in this space right now. There are still so many people who don't really know about the benefits of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. And I think that the players in the crypto space who are working hard to get people to understand why they should care about crypto and blockchains are really going to make or break adoption in this industry. I'm just happy to do what small part I can to make that happen. One of the main reasons why I'm with ARC is because I believe that the technology is well poised to help developers get onboarded quickly and understand what's going on with blockchain technology. And in line with that, they'll be able to deploy ideas that relate to everyday people. I'm really looking forward to the masses warming up to cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. And here it is, episode 51. Now you'll notice that there's only one module in this Q3 2019 here, which is Core 2.6. Now that seems light compared to some others like in the past, for example, Q4 2018 was riddled with all kinds of things on the roadmap, big important things like the Core version 2 launch, which was a complete reimagining of all the ARC code where we purged all the legacy inherited code. Other things like the SDKs and integrations getting completely redone for the new core, the desktop wallet getting completely redone for the new core. Like that quarter was jam-packed full of stuff. And I remember that. It was very fast-paced. Actually, that was, yeah, the first quarter where I was on the team as well. So a lot of action there. But that doesn't mean there's less action here in Q3 2019. Because 2.6, and I've said this once, but 2.6 is what many are saying who are studying our progress is the biggest upgrade since probably core version two and probably since ever, even though core two was a complete redesign, as I mentioned. Core 2.6 is gonna be implementing a lot of new functions and features for the blockchain itself, where developers have new tools they can use to enact their vision of their specific use case using Arc technology. Wow. So much content. After one year, that puts you at over 25 hours of ARC content you can listen to. Fantastic. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the ARC Crypto Podcast. And that's going to do it for the ARC Crypto Podcast. We'll be coming back soon as the ARC.io Podcast. You can subscribe and read transcripts on thearccryptopodcast.com and soon podcast.arc.io. You can also subscribe direct on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and CastBox. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at arc underscore podcast, where you can stream our episodes directly inside of our tweets. How cool is that? We'll see you next time. Nice. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform the listeners. The host is not a financial advisor, and this podcast is not financial advice. Listeners are encouraged to conduct their own research prior to making any investments. Guests who speak in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions, and do not represent the beliefs or ideas of ARC.io or the ARC Crypto Podcast. A guest appearance on this podcast assumes no partnership or pending partnership with ARC.io or any associated entity. A guest appearance is by no means an endorsement or solicitation by the ARC Crypto Podcast to purchase a specific cryptocurrency at a specific time or at all. The ARC Crypto Podcast will never solicit any investment from the listener, nor will it ever contact the listener to solicit an investment. Any paid advertisements on the ARC Crypto Podcast will be clearly disclosed as such. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. 
Advertising which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted towards the content of this podcast is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The Arc Crypto Podcast assumes no liability for any of your activities in connection with this podcast or for your use of this podcast in connection with your website, computer, or playing device.